It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Feel his presence. Bishop was with us earlier today. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the scriptures that he taught from and that he taught today. Um, I'm, I would imagine he's probably going to minister the same thing in Union Gap. So you could probably go listen to either one of those services. Um, but please make the time to do so. Speaking things of where, where we are. And very important. Amen. The book of James. I'd like to go there today. The book of James chapter number one is where we'll start. We're going to look. There's a thread that runs through the book of James in his letter. In the short five chapters of his letter, obviously the he didn't write chapters. He wrote one letter, and man broke it up so we could find stuff. Uh, but in his short letter, James really had a thread. I'm sure there's more than one thread in there, but we're going to sort of talk about one today that's just been on my heart. And um, I would that God would speak to all of us by his word. Amen? Would you pray with me one more time before we... Begin to read the word. Ask God if he would, you know, I think he, I know he wants to speak to us. It's his desire to talk with us. And the challenge in him talking with us is never his ability to do so. The challenge is mine and your humanity. Okay. It, it's there's these layers, right? Um, I need to do my best when I'm holding the microphone to be empty so that his word is not tainted or misconstrued in any way by my humanity. I want there to be the pure flow of his spirit. So we're hearing what he would say. But when I'm also when I'm receiving the word and Oftentimes, while I'm teaching, I'm also receiving. I'm talking to myself as much or more than anybody else. I know some of y'all think I know some of this stuff before I say it, but lots of times I'll be ministering. The Lord's giving it to me while I'm saying it. I had somebody come to me a few weeks ago and say, that wasn't planned, was it? What we, I said, no, it wasn't. They were like, I didn't think so. And But we receive the word. How we posture ourselves to receive the word uh, matters. And so... But what happens in our humanity is the word of God will come to us, but it's got to go through all of our filters. We have all these filters oftentimes that we bring to the word. They can be our past experiences. It's why if we have an offense in our spirit, I understood they talk a little bit about offenses at ladies conference. I'm not going to talk about that this morning. But it's why if we do have an offense in our spirit, the word can usually get twisted because that offense becomes the filter for the word of God. And so the word of God's trying to come and help us, but our offense takes the word and twists it. And so it's why we seek to have a conscience. The apostle Paul said, I seek daily. He said to have a conscience void of offense. 
toward God and toward men. Because he understood if I have an offense, it affects everything about my life. Every relationship, even when God wants to talk to me, it affects me. Because I can twist his word because that lens becomes a... It's like, you know, us receiving the word is... Um, You know, I wear glasses sometimes. You, you've seen that. They're pretty light prescription, but I do wear them for seeing at distances. Um, and it changes my perception when I put them on. It's a lens, right? We understand that. Different ones in here wear glasses, whether stronger or weaker, that affects your perception. You put them on, you take them off. I remember the first, when I first got glasses, I remember being like, Anybody else do that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, my wife and I would do these little things. Oh, baby, I can read that car's license plate, like three cars up there. She's like, you can see that? My glasses don't do that. I'm like, yeah, mine do. Right? And so, you know what I'm talking about? What was happening? The lens was different. I, I could see clearer. Well, if I were to take Sister Yesenia's glasses and put them on, I may not see clear. Different lens. Right? The lens that I receive the word through affects how I receive the word. And so what I need to seek to do, this is what I seek to do, is I seek to be empty. I don't want there to be anything filtering the word of God other than his spirit. Because... If I'm filtering the word of God through my human thinking, I start filtering stuff. Oh, no, that's not for me. Oh, that's for the, oh, man, I hope they were listening. They need that. I, I know you know. No, no, I, I want to, the, the Bible says to receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. And so I want a, I want to do that. I want, I was praying that this morning. God, I want to receive all that you would have. I don't want any defense mechanisms in my spirit that would hinder your word getting to me. I don't want any offense, God. I, I don't want any distract. I want to receive your word. Amen? That's not what we're going to talk about, but there we are. It's important. You got to know this when you come to the house. Why do you think things flare up right when you're trying to go to church? It tries to affect your ability to receive what God has for you. And so... When we pray before a service, we're not praying because God, please do your will. He'll do his will if we'll get in alignment and receive it. We're praying to get ourselves in alignment with his will, to get our spirit clear and empty. We want to receive his word. Amen? So look of James chapter 1. Lord, reach into my heart today, I pray. James 1 verse 21 He says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. It's quite the words, isn't it? Some of you are like, I don't have any superfluity of naughtiness. <laughs> no, you didn't think that, did you? Oh, and here's what we were just quoting. And receive with meekness the... I didn't realize that was... I guess I did realize, but I didn't think we were going to... Here we are. Got ahead of myself. 
If you read all of the 20 verses that precede this in the first chapter, what James is alluding to when he talks about lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, he's talking about all the stuff that remains from our life before we came to Christ and were converted, right? Because sometimes there's residue. We come to live for God. We're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Our sins are washed away. We're filled with His Spirit, but we still have residue from that which He brought us out of. And so James is writing to us, and he says, hey, we need to lay apart. That means we got to let go of some stuff. Amen? He's not saying lay it apart like lay it there where you can pick it back up after the Word. He's saying lay it apart and be done with it. Lay apart all filthiness. That word just means like dirtiness. Those, right, those things that used to be. No, I've laid that aside. I know there's some residue, but I'm not holding on to anything. God washed me. I'm releasing it in the name of Jesus Christ. And he apparently recognizes, because he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he wrote and he realized if we don't lay those things apart, they affect our ability to receive the Word of God. Well, I really want God to talk to me, but my wife looked at me funny and said something before I walked out of the house. She didn't. Not, she was passed out when I walked out of the house this morning. Hey, now that's not necessarily, you understand what I mean? There's, it's, it's little things that will try to, so we got to go, no, I'm laying that aside. I'm laying that aside. I want to receive. Amen? So, so before we go any further, let's pray again. And if there's anything battling for your thought right now, would you just go, God, I'm laying it by your help. I'm casting it on you. I want your word. I want your word reaching in my heart. I want your word working in my life. I want your word to have its perfect work in me. You said that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish what you send it to do. I pray, send your word into my heart. Send your word into my spirit. Send your word into my situation. Send your word into my life. Send your word into my family. I lay aside anything that would hinder or get in the way of me receiving your word. I want your word in my heart, in my soul, in my mind, in my spirit. I want to receive your word with meekness. Why is this so important? Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. That matters. Now watch verse 22. This is critical. But be ye, what? Doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself, and he goes his way, and straightway forgets what manner of man or woman he or she was. What did he just say? I'm going to read these verses again. 
This is in the Joel Hart translation. I'm not changing the word of God. I'm just sort of, we're going to get rid of some of the King James English. And I promise you where I'm substituting a word, we're still, I'm not changing the word of God. Okay. But I watch. Be a doer of the word, not just listening to it. Don't just hear it. Because if you're just hearing it and not doing it, you're deceiving yourself. You're in self-deception if you're hearing the word and not doing what you heard. Because if you, verse 23, if you or I hear the word, but then we don't do it, it's as though I went and looked at myself in a mirror. And when I looked in the mirror, the mirror showed me the truth of what I was and how I looked. The mirror reflected my life for what it really is. There was a saying when I was younger, said mirrors don't lie. But if I hear the word and I don't do what I heard, it's as though I looked into a mirror, saw myself, and I got a real picture of what I needed to change or fix or adjust or do. Right? You imagine if I'm like, I'm fixing my tie, right? And I, I go up and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, oh, it's not straight. And I turn away and I'm like, oh, no, I, yeah, I think it's fine. What you, you're like, are you kidding me? You just looked right there in the mirror. You could tell it wasn't straight. Why would you see that and then walk away and not change it? Is that too plain? This is what James was saying. He said, if I hear the word and the word speaks to my life, the word of God comes to me and it gives, it, I can tell when God's, the word is coming. It's like, man, that's sort of getting close to me. And we, we realize, ooh, ooh. Right? Isn't it funny how we'll walk out of a service or walk out of a Bible study or walk away from a conversation where we recognize a flow of ministry, and then we'll start, and I don't know if that was God or that was me. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> the Word, we, we felt the witness of the Spirit of God in the Word, dealing with an area of our life. Maybe we came to an altar and prayed and said, oh God, I'm going to, and God dealt with us, and then we walked away and we forgot what we just saw in the mirror. I heard the Word. But then I didn't make any change in agreement with what the word revealed to me about myself. I wasn't a doer of the word. James said, it's just as though I looked in a mirror. And I got a true picture. But verse 24 says, I behold myself. The word becomes a mirror, a reflection. We used to sing a song when I was a kid. He's still working on me. Remember that? Make me what I ought to be. Well, one of the verses said, the mirror of your word, reflections that I see, make me wonder why he never gave up on me. Oh, when I look in the word, the word begins to shine on my life. It doesn't shine on my life to beat me down or condemn me or show me all the areas where I need work. Well, it does to show me where I need work. But it's not to criticize or condemn. It's to say, hey, 
Let me show you something that will change your life. Let me show you something. This area that you're trying to navigate and you need wisdom, this area where you're navigating, you don't know what to do, this place in your life that you can't recognize why you're struggling. Let me show you. The word begins to eliminate and illuminate, and we see those things. That's what the word of God does. This is why the writer of the psalm says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. The Word of God begins to reflect things. It shows us things. And James is addressing this when he writes to us and says, If I hear the Word, but then I don't do in accordance with what I heard, it's just as though I looked at myself in a mirror, but then I walked away and I immediately forgot what manner of man I was because I didn't do anything with what I heard. I can't tell you in my life how many times I've witnessed situations and individuals and circumstances. And I've, I, I don't think I've ever done it, but I can tell you what I've wanted to do a few times. They'll come and they'll say, oh, I, I don't have any recent things in my mind here in case any of you have come to me recently. I, oh, I just, I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm just, ah, oh, you know. Would you pray with me? Would you pray for me? And, I, and I'm glad to do that. You understand, I'm not belittling. That's what we do. We agree together. We stand together. We support one another. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know what to do? You were here the last three months, three years. Do you remember? You were here yesterday. You know, you were here yesterday. I get a call on Monday. You were here yesterday. What do you mean you don't know what to do? Did you not hear them? No, I'm, I, don't, I don't think I've ever spoke to any of you. <laughs> Just bearing my soul here sometimes because the word of God really is. The word of God will come. And look, I've been the same way, I know. The word of God has been my answer, and I'm so stubborn. Well, I don't know if that is that really what God meant. Does he really want me to? I, and we can justify ourselves out of being a doer of the word. Is it any wonder? The word of God says obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience to the word matters. James said, if I see myself from the word and then I go away and I immediately forget what I was like. That's why he said hearing the word but not doing the word is self-deception. I can feel good about what I've heard. It can touch my heart and my mind. It can speak to my life and I can come to an altar and cry and pray and feel the presence of God and believe God's really touching me. And I'm sure he is. You understand. I'm not saying he's not. But when I get up from the mirror and I go my way, do I straightway forget what the word illuminated to me because I felt the presence of God and I wept before him and I felt the strength of his or do I get up from that place of weeping and pouring out my heart in forgiveness, repentance, gratitude, reception, whatever it is, and then go my way and not act on what the word spoke to me. If the word deals with me, And I come to the altar and let's say I come to the altar and I begin to forgive. God, I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. And 
whatever situation, circumstance, individual. I know God dealt with me about it, and I thank God, and I feel the release of God, the touch of God. I weep in His presence, and then I, I get up. And then, lo and behold, the Lord has me bump into that individual tomorrow. Maybe I'm supposed to express to them, hey, I forgive you. Sometimes there's more than just a, I felt the word and it dealt with my heart. I go and I do. I'm a doer of the word. Now, why? this is a thread throughout James' writing because we find something very interesting when you go into the next chapter, chapter 2, James begins writing about faith. Anybody remember that? And James is writing about faith. Where do you get faith from? Faith comes by and hearing by the... Aha. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God, right? Well, in chapter 2, again, man, put the chapters there. As James' letter goes along, he says, let's dig a little bit deeper into being a doer of the word. Because in chapter 2, we won't read all of it for sake of time, but he talks about some things, and by the time you get to verse number 20, or verse 19, let's go to, uh, no, let's go to verse 18. James 2 and 18, yay! A man may say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now watch verse 19. This is how adamant James is about this. You believe that there is one God. Anybody believe that? You believe there's one God? James said, you believe one God. You do well. The devils also believe. <laughs> How's that make you feel? <laughs> he said, you believe in one God. You do well. The devils also believe, and they tremble. What was he saying? Hey, just because you believe something isn't the end of the road. The devils believe what you believe. But here's the difference, verse 20. Will you not know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? He's still saying the same thing. You have faith. Word, the word of God came to you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. Faith came to you. It quickens something in you. You heard the word and you're like, I can do this. With God, it's possible. His word shows me how. I've got some direction now. I've got some answer. i got faith. Great. Now what? Faith without works is dead. What happens if I don't act on where the word of God spoke to me? If I don't take action where the word of God dealt with my heart? If I don't move in a direction based on him dealing with my soul? Then my faith that I may have felt the quickening of faith at the word in the moment. But if I don't take action, that faith becomes dead. Brother Ethan shared... Uh, I think it was Thursday night. No, Thursday night. He shared how God had dealt with him in an area, and he sort of talked, and ah, and then time went by, and then time went by, and God dealt with him. And then Brother Renee reached out, and they ended up getting together, and Brother Renee shared some things, and God dealt with him. And he finally made a decision based on how God had dealt with him. What was happening? The Word of God had come to him. He had heard from the Lord. He had, God had talked to him. He became a doer of the word. Faith without works is dead. 
This is what James is talking about. He's talking about this actually. I heard the word of God. Now I have to act. We could read Hebrews 11. We won't for sake of time today. Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us without faith, it's impossible to please him. Speaking of the Lord, right? You know that. Hebrews 11 is the chapter of faith. Heroes of faith. By faith, Noah built what? An ark. By faith, Abraham offered his only son, Isaac. By faith, Rahab hung a red cord out a window. By faith. What, what, that's works, isn't it? Can you imagine if Noah said, I got faith, God, build it. I'll be right here until it's built, Lord. I believe your word that you're going to save us. Build the ark, Lord. Build it. I got faith that my family won't die. Lord, that red cord's laying over there. Just let it tie itself and jump out the window. I realize I'm being facetious, but this is faith with works. We call them heroes of faith. Why are they heroes of faith? Because they heard the word of God, and then they did it. They showed their faith by their works. This is what James talked about when he says, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. I'm going to show you that I believe the word of God because when I hear it and I receive it, I act upon it. I'm not just a hearer. I'm not walking in self-deception. I'm a doer. And if the word of God came to me, I may not understand it. I may not be able to explain it. It may be difficult for me in my humanity because I'm holding on to some junk, but I'm going to be a doer of the word. If God cares enough about me, to bring His Word to me, to help me, to heal me, to direct me. I'm going to be a doer of the Word of God. Verse 26 of chapter 2, James said, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Can you imagine... You don't have to imagine. I, I know people, maybe you do too, where we've shared the word of God and they're like, oh my goodness, I see it. I've had people tell me, I see it. It, it makes sense. In Acts 2, in Acts 8, in Acts 10, in Acts 19, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That makes sense. You believe that? Yeah, I believe it. I'm hearing the word. I'm hearing the... Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Well, no. I'm thinking about it. What, what, what do you mean? Oh, I was hearer, doer. Now, that's a simple example. But I can hear the word, but I have never in my 52 and a half years of living, I've never seen God come and grab somebody, Brother Abel, by the collar and say, okay, you believe the word? Come on, I'm dunking you. I've never seen God do that. And I've never done that. What happened? Somebody heard the word. They believed the word. And then they said, you know what? I believe the word. I want to be a doer. I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Were they saved by works? They were saved by grace through faith. 
They had faith in the word. And so they had faith in what they heard. Therefore, they became a doer of the word. Is this making sense today? We must be doers of the word. I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody. And this never stops applying to our lives. This never stops applying. No doubt. I'm just going to tell on myself today because I'm holding the mic. I could tell on you, but you might not like. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I wish I could say every time God was dealing with me in an area, I immediately just did. Anybody be able to say that? That's where I want to be. I'm striving to get there. But I. And so I look at areas and I go, I want to be a doer. If I feel God dealing with me, I just want to do. I want to do. Jesus said in John 8, 28 and 29, he said, I do always those things that please him. He was a doer of what the father told him. I think this is what James is talking about. If you want to watch your life radically change in the hand of God, if you want to see your family, your relationships, if you want to see them begin to radically transform in the hand of God, purpose and pray, Lord, help me and show me I want to be a doer of the word. I want to be a doer. You say, well, does that mean I'm doing it? No, it means you're responding in obedience and he'll enable you and I to do what we can't do ourselves. That's the grace of God working in our lives. And so I do the next thing where his word has dealt with my heart. His word has dealt with my life. And I would not be surprised that just as we're talking here this morning, that maybe for some of you, there's things being quickened to your mind and your spirit that like, man, I know God's dealt with me about this area and I still haven't done what he's dealt with me about yet. I have watched individuals in my years come to a standstill, it seems like, in their walk with God. And I know the only reason they're at a standstill is because God has already given them direction in his word. And they have chosen not to do it. And they're wanting to circumvent that and just keep on and want God to continue. And God's like, you got this right here where I've already spoken to you. You've heard I'm waiting on you to be a doer. Because if I hear and I don't do, I'm in self deception. That's what James said. I want to be a doer of the word of God. Watching. So how do we do Colossians chapter three, verse 17. Colossians three and 17. Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, makes this statement. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, so how you talk and how you act, whatever you do, in how you speak and how you act, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, i just got to tell you, there's some things I've done and I've said that weren't, ooh, they weren't in the name of the Lord Jesus. But Paul didn't leave anything out here. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Skip down to verse 23 in that same chapter. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. I think it was Brother Juan Jimenez a few years ago, seems like quite a few years ago now, 
but I remember him making a statement to me about working in his job and about, man, I want to do it like I'm doing it to the Lord, not like I'm just doing it for my boss. I thought that's the attribute and the characteristic I want in my life. I want to get, I want to be that way. I want to do my job as unto the Lord. You say, well, I'm working for men. That's not the work of the Lord. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Why? Because that becomes a testimony to those around you. That becomes a testimony. So go back to the book of James here. So that tells us how we do it. Whatever we do in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. In Jesus' name. James chapter 4, verse 13. Again, you see this thread throughout James' letter. James 4 and 13. James says, go to now, you that say, today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city and we'll continue there a year and we'll buy and we'll sell and we'll get gain. What's he talking about? He's talking about us making plans for our lives. That's exactly what he's talking about. Anybody ever make plans for your life? Of course we do. He's not against us making plans. But notice what he says. There's got to be an approach in how we plan our lives. Those of you that say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. He says, you don't know what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's a vapor that appears a little while and then it vanishes away. For you ought to say. Now he brings a slight adjustment and a correction to our approach to planning our lives. You ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. You mean in my daily living, he's wanting me to hear and do what the Lord says to? In my daily walk, he's wanting me to plan out my life based on hearing and doing what God says? It sure sounds that way to me. He said, you ought to say, if God will. We should. Now, he wasn't just saying you should say it. He meant you should mean it, right? It's become a catchphrase. Well, the Lord willing. Well, the Lord willing. But no, I want to hear from the Lord to know his will. And then I want to do what he directs me to do. I want to be a doer of the word. Verse 16, but now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, notice verse 17. To him that knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, do you see where we went from chapter 1 to chapter 4? James said, see, this is the progression of being a hearer and not a doer. This is a progression. If I hear and I don't do at first, it's self-deception. But the longer I hear and don't do, it goes from self-deception to sin. Now to him that knows, right? I no longer just heard and wondered and thought maybe, maybe. Now I know what I'm supposed to do, right? The Lord's long-suffering. He deals with our lives. He deals with our hearts. He works in areas of our life trying to bring us to a place of correction, understanding, or he brings revelation through his word talking to us about something. I used the example of baptism earlier. He brings something to us. and, and 
I recognize, and the Lord knows our frame. We process those things. We think through them. Maybe we pray about them, and we're just we're sort of sorting stuff out because of Pat, whatever the situation. But over time, we come to know, no, God's dealing with me. I know what I need to do. Well, see, then when I get to that point, for him to knows to do good, and then I don't do it, James said, now it's sin. Now it's sin. That's the progression when I settle into the trap of just being a hearer. And how do I fall into that trap? Well, I can enjoy good teaching and good preaching. I can go find it on the internet anytime I want. I'm not saying it's all good or that you should be going and doing all that, but you understand. You can find something that will tickle your ear. I need to be a doer of the word of God. This is what James is addressing. Understand, he wasn't talking about some legalistic lifestyle of rules that says, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. No, he's talking about the word of God comes to us in some form of ministry. Maybe even in prayer, the word of God comes to us. Maybe we're reading the word and the word is illuminated to us and deals with our heart. Maybe in teaching or preaching or a Bible study or coffee with a friend or, right? And the word of God comes to us and we recognize, oh, I was talking, had breakfast with a man on Saturday morning, not a man from the local congregation. I was having breakfast with a man and I, the, I, I was surprised after the fact at the boldness with which I sh- said and shared some things. And I shared those things, and this man said, man, I feel the Holy Ghost right here, and this is tearing up a little bit. I'm like, man, I do too. And maybe we've all had those moments. But in the midst of our conversation, he left with something he has to do now. I didn't give him something to do. You understand? I don't know how the Lord took that word and how how that word that he heard where he acknowledged feeling the Holy Ghost. I don't know how the Lord took that word and caused him to know if he did what he had to do, but I feel like he had some direction then. But now there has to be an acting on what he heard. See, this is so subtle because here's what happens. We fall into this trap of praying, Lord, do this. Lord, would you do? And I understand there's things God does. Only God can reach in and supernaturally heal a life. Only God can wash away sins, but God won't take you and throw you in the tank. Only God, but there's some things God gives us, and then we become a doer. And that brings the blessing and the favor of God on our life. You say, well, you earned it. Then no, you did not earn it. You became obedient to the voice of God. And as you obeyed the voice of God, he fulfilled what he said he would do. The world twisted or Christendom, churchdom twisted, says, oh, no, that's being saved by works. No, it's not. I'm not talking about doing works for salvation. I'm talking about doing the things God gives you to do to see God fulfill his word in your life. God says, go left, and I go right. God says, go left, and I go left. And I go, oh, man, I went left when he told me to. I must have saved myself. 
No, I didn't. I was simply graced by the goodness of God that he would speak to me and give me direction. And when I obeyed his direction, it was salvation to me. That's why we're saved by grace through faith. Would you stand with me today? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I want to be a doer of your word. I want to be a doer of your word. When you talk to my heart, I want to be obedient. I know when you give instruction, Lord, it's coming from a place of love and care toward me. You... You do not give instruction or direction with any ill motive. You're not a man. God and your word that comes to me, comes to heal me, to help me, to strengthen me, and ultimately to save me. I want to be a doer of the word. I want to receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save my soul. It's your word that does this work, Lord. Give me a heart and an attitude in my spirit that says I'll be a doer of the word. I'll be a doer of the word, not from a standpoint of performance, but from a standpoint of pleasing my Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Where you're dealing with hearts, even this morning, where you've already spoken things even before this service, maybe there's situations where a life today has been sitting on the fence, so to speak, where you've instructed them and they've not yet done. I pray today, Lord, give them boldness to step in faith and do that which you've instructed them to do and to see you fulfill your word in their lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Give us a heart of a doer. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Give us an obedient heart, an obedient spirit. In the name of Jesus. I'll never forget some years ago. We had a, there's a precious man of God pastored in another city and was talking with him. I think we still lived in Puyallup at the time. And he made a statement to me. He, he was asking some question or we were having this conversation about something. And I don't remember what it was about, but I remember his statement. And uh, because I had commented to him, well, man, we are praying. We are praying to see it happen. We are praying and believing God to do a work. We are praying and something along those lines. And I, I believe in prayer. We should pray. And he made a statement to me that sort of smacked me in the face a little bit, Brother Lewis. He said, you know, at some point you got to stop praying and start doing. I sort of took offense to it, Brother Zario, at first. Because I 
I was like, what do you mean? Prayer will change things. That's what I thought. I didn't say that out loud. Like, what do you mean stop praying and start doing? I can't do it. Only God can. I'm praying until God does it. I know what he was saying now. Because I took those words and I went and rather than just dismissing them, thinking, oh, I'm spiritual. I'm praying. I don't need to go perform. I'm, he wasn't saying go perform. He said, you got to go pray, get alone with God, hear from God. But then when you hear from God, what's the point in continuing to pray about the same thing? Get up and go do what he said do. That's what he was telling me. After a while, you got to stop praying and start doing. I've never forgotten that. Never forgotten that. I wasn't ready to receive it at the time he said it, but it's visited me again and again and again since that time. And I hear the Lord dealing with me that way again today. We got to be doers. Now hear me. There's no pressure from God when he gives us something to do. The pressure that we may feel is the pressure from this world and our flesh that's trying to resist God's direction. God doesn't do this. Come on, do it. Come on, do it. Come on, do it. God doesn't work that way. Here's what God does. says, come on, do it. Come on, do it. Come on, do it. Come on, I'm showing you. Come on. That's what he draws us. The pressure that we feel is our own humanity. Ah, that's I'm comfortable here. I've never been there where you're inviting me to go, God. I, I don't know what that... And I feel the Holy Ghost reaching for somebody. I've never stepped into that. What, is, what does that say about me if I do that when I've never done that before? What, but I, I've watched some people wrestle with obeying God because they feel like doing what God gave them to do means that they're admitting some of the things they did weren't really what God wanted them to do. You know, just push past that pride and, and respond to Him. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. He's inviting you. If he shows you something in his word and by your spirit, what would happen if we just said, I'll do it? Now, he won't ask you to do something outside of his word. But he'll confirm it with his word. In Jesus' name. Would you pray with me one more time before we leave today? Lord, if you will give us the grace, and I believe you already have, because you give a measure to every man, we will do that which we hear from your word. We will do that which your word instructs us to do. As you gently beckon us, as you gently beckon us to you. Obedience to your word, obedience to the apostles' doctrine. 
obedience to walk in holiness and separation unto you. Jesus, Jesus. Father, I've been praying for you to change this and change that. But I hear your voice saying, do what I've asked of you and that will change. Do what I've asked of you and the change will come. I've been setting aside and asking you to just do it. You've been saying, do what I've asked you and it will bring about what you're asking for. In the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, praise God. Watch how James finished his letter, and I'll dismiss you. James chapter 5, the last verse, I think it's verse 17, whatever the last verse is. Maybe we better go to 19 so we have context for the last verse. Brethren. If any of you do what? Okay, that's what we don't want to do. All right? But if you do, if you do, if you err from the truth and one convert him, that means somebody else was a doer and their doing was to come and convert you back to truth. Let's be on that side of it, okay? And watch the next verse. Let him know. Who know? the doer that converted them. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. If there's anything we're called to do, we're called to convert sinners from the error of their ways. If there's anything we're called to do in this hour, Amen. And we start by being a doer of the word ourselves. Praise God. God bless you. I want you to greet somebody before you go today. And if God has been dealing with you in an area, do it.